Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It was a good weekend to be a Truex fan. Ryan Truex Jr. and Martin Truex Jr. brothers sweeping the weekend at the Monster Mile. And Ross Chastain's going Ross Chastain in it again, taking out Kyle Larson. We got pit road boats and woes. We got some guys spinning out. We got the tires rolling all around. And I found myself in a really <laughs> situation. Stand by. I'll tell you what that story is right here on Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Corey LaJoy, joined by the normal band of characters. To my right, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hey, how's it going? Looking very schnazzy today. Yeah, I felt, you know, a little springy. So I decided to add some color to my wardrobe today. What is that? Is that a salmon? It's like a salmon sweatshirt. It's a little chillier, so I need a little bit of a layer outside. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes, Jonathan Merriman. I'm fat, so I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> Letting it breathe. Yeah. And then uh, Ryan Flores. Collared golf shirt. So see, we got the memo for throwback tees. I got a sweet night. Yeah, that's next week. What do you mean? It's every week. It's every week, bro. What are talking this about? There's never a bad week to wear a throwback tee. He's rocking Hall a of Fame Wood Brothers shirt. Rocking a sweet Wood Brothers that's shirt. That's an actual. That's a that's a really. That's an eBay find right here. I didn't know that Big Rand drove the 22 MBNA car. I thought that. I for, was, for about 14 races, then he got can. I associate that car with Woodburton. I don't remember if Ward was before or after him, but uh, from what I understand, Randy and Bill Davis did not get along. Well, you'll have that. You'll have that big-time auto racing sometimes, and something something else you'll have in big-time auto racing, Chuck, is the situation. Yeah? It got big. What did? The sh- which it, which sh- situation are you referring to? Oh, <laughs> let me tell you. So we take the bus up to Dover. Luckily, the weather was crappy all weekend. Got some really nice weather on Saturday for the Xfinity race, rained all day Sunday. They pulled a pin on that. We moved it to Monday. Great weather. Luckily, we had the bus there. Kelly and the boys came. We had a lot of downtime, hanging out, riding bikes, doing the whole thing. So gray and black water get a bit full. And I didn't know they had a septic race track. So I walk over to the gate guard. I said, hey, is the old pooper truck coming around here anytime soon? Well, you got septic by the bus. Oh, what you Dude, I was on the It's literally phone. right there next to it. I was on the phone with you, and that you're having that conversation. Yeah, because they're like, "You got septic next to the bus." Oh, oh I didn't realize. Oh, this. it went downhill way bad. <laughs> this is on Sunday, during the rain delay. Yes. Sunday. Yep. So I'm like, "Oh, sure enough, there's a septic rece- like receiver right there next to the bus." So I get the hose out, through the whole thing, and like when you are hooking that up, that's a one shot deal, right? You want to make sure it's in there. It's not coming up. What? Gloves? No gloves. No gloves. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a real man, Chuck. He smiled like he wanted to lie. He was going to lie. Like, eh, I wasn't going to lie. I'm this. a real man. I don't wear gloves. That's my shit. I ain't scared of it. That's right. So I get it all hooked up, right? I 
hook it up to the bus, run it. I got these little stands so like it's a nice gradual flow right to the old wherever it goes into the earth's crust. Who knows where that goes? So like I'm I'm doing like the, the once over, twice over. Okay, we're good there. We're all good. Okay, nice run. Okay, we're not going to have any issues. No issues at all. Here you go. One, you only get one shot of the old black tank. Here we go. It's going. You can see it run. And then the hose gets like brick hard. And it's got a little clear 90 degree kick down into the deal and it's not coming out. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I'm like looking and there's a cap in the end of the hose that I put when I put the dang nozzle, like the 90 degree turn down, I didn't take the cap out of the hose. Oh no. So now it's got pressure 200 pounds pressurized in this hose pressurized <laughs> and i'm sitting there looking like okay looking i'm like trying to run through the scenarios like so there's not a scenario here what i don't look like mike Rowe. like i am in bad shape dude i would have got the keys of the bus and just drove it <laughs> and just left that hose hanging you're standing outside in the rain in the rain rain jacket on and finally i just came to it like okay <laughs> I came to grips and I'm going to get shit on myself. So I zipped my rain jacket up over my nose. And I said, okay, the only way I could do it is like grab the hose. I shut the black off so that way no more didn't come. And is to crack the 90 degree elbow and let this cap shoot out. And then you just put in the hose. <sighs> that thing had considerably more pressure than I anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you ever seen a fire hose when they, yes. when they put out a fire? And it's just. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> boom, and I'm like, <laughs> plug it in there. They got us raining. And dude, you know, like you dry heat because you see somebody else throwing up. Yeah. And we're like, I was, it, it about legitimately came up. I was like, Ugh. oh, just thinking about it now makes me want to throw up. It was not good. Dude. It was cup. Did you get any poop on you? Shit. I got poop in my shoe. Oh, I got oh, it on no. my sleeve and oh. I left my shirt and shoes outside. In the rain, and damn near throw it up. Are they still in Dover? The shirt and shoes still in Dover? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What are they? <laughs> yeah, those are, those are done. <laughs> so like, I, I was just like, oh my god. So, all right, we're we're managed now. The poop is contained. So I grabbed like this little, like a I don't know a little faucet head in there, and I'm just like, shower myself with this little spigot. In the bus. Was anybody else around? Who you parked next to? AJ Almendinger. I said, AJ, <laughs> don't open the window. Keep it shut. I came, you... I came in, and Kelly's like, does it smell? <laughs> I'm like, yes, it smells. <laughs> you have no idea. I got <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Did you give Almendinger like a heads up? Like, hey, bro. No. <laughs> no, he put me three wide last week at Talladega, so I don't mind spraying shit in his front lawn. <laughs> it was raining. He wasn't going to come outside. The door bumper clear guys think you should be fine for that, too, just so you I'm, know. I'm sure. It's okay. But you'll have that sometimes. That was set up my weekend. But I already knew at that point of the weekend that our hot rod was good. We were 13th in practice. Was excited to get going. I called previously, pulled the tape. Merriman, where did I say I was going to finish this week? Uh, I think you said 13th. I was one off of that. I was 14th. We ran really good. There was like a point with like a hunt about second stage, kind of a long green run. You're moving around and passing some guys and trying to stay in the lead lap and just racing your butt off because Dover is like freaking hard and it's such a mentally draining, physically strenuous track that I was thinking, I'm like, this is actually kind of a pretty good race. Guys are able to move around. The track got fairly wide. 
the leaders are always fast like they are at Dover, but I was surprised to hear when you said that only 77% of people thought that was a good race. Well, that's Jeff when I clicked poll. on Jeff Gluck's poll this morning, but I can pull it up now and see what you got. You got Probably not going to change. But <coughs> regardless, votes regardless, Chuck, what did you think? Would you vote yes? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good race. So I'm curious to, to explain to the 33% of the people who said no as to what they're looking for. I'm curious what makes it not a good race. One thing I would do if I was in control that I think it would be better, like sitting outside of the car, I, I think that that's a great candidate for like a 300-lap race. I think it's just a little bit too long because mm. 400 miles doesn't go by as fast at a mile-long track, you know? Yeah. Like it does. Like think if we did a 400-mile race at Martinsville, it would be 800 laps. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a 300-lap race there would be really good. There's always a point to in the race – worth about you know 75 to go i always think about they used to do 500 laps here yeah that's unbelievable people just had less shit to do back then <laughs> that's that is a, true dude that's no a, i'm not saying that we should go back to 500 no. mile races but like they were also probably going seven seconds slower than us so it's probably relative but yeah that no. is a demanding race dude. well then ne- let's go back to the beginning back and shoulders are just blasted by the end of so it. the beginning of the day it sounded like tires are going to be an issue Everybody was pretty nervous about tires. Did you have problems in practice like most guys did? That's also that's always typical for Dover. First yeah. first group in particular before you get any rubber laid on the racetrack. It's legitimately like sandpaper. Which like, you guys were the first ones on the track, right? We were group two. But the cup cars were yeah. the first cars on the track. Yeah. And the track has a ton of grip, so you're just hammering, blasting through the right front, trying to put a good time on the board. And then we did see several guys in first group cord right fronts. So after an entire day of rain on Sunday – a lot of guys were concerned. They gave us a set of extra set of tires yep. and a comp caution at 20. And there actually wasn't a – unless you really overshot the camber number in the right front, there wasn't an issue. There's, but we also saw a lot of guys overshoot the camber number. I think 14 had a lot of problems. Joey had a long day, and then he finally just put it out of his misery. There were cords hanging out of the back of his car. Yeah. Well, if your tires aren't ported the same direction, you're going to definitely burn through one of them. But generally speaking, we didn't see any tire failures. I I really thought it was a pretty good race. I think that there's enough comers and goers and guys going to the front and guys you see the same guys speeding on pit road, augering their chances of winning in the in the toilet. Yeah, you can't get back dude, you cannot get back from no, it. You, you know can't. what was crazy and, and you know this, but I don't know if they talked about it on the broadcast, Merriman, maybe you would, but how much your car changes from when the sun was out? Because it would be like a twenty degree shift. They, just, the sun would be bright and then the cloud cover would come and it would change it, like it would be the, lap by lap. Like yeah. if you if turn one and two was covered in clouds, it would move your balance. You kind of go into like a number system. It would move my numbers almost two numbers free just because the track has a lot more grip and the balance of your car changes to have some more front turn. And then you go to the other end and it's got direct sunlight on it and then you go back tight. And it was almost changing every two, three laps, sometimes every other corner. Yeah, they touched on that a lot on the broadcast. How does that differ – from Dover, that's concrete versus a track that's asphalt. I think that the... I mean, asphalt just gets hotter. Yeah, and cooler. But I think that... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think the, your your adjustments in these next-gen cars are so precise and so minimal that your four-tenths, half a, half a pound of air pressure, you can tell a difference in the left well, rear. it builds rubber different. Does con- concrete builds rubber different like it will build it more when it's taking it mm-hmm. right so if it gets hot out does it not make that rubber m- it builds it up more yeah so you either have to you saw some guys as the run went on start really wrapping the apron 
because if you were two feet off the apron, then your right sides would get in that heavy lay down rubber. So the only way to, to either get underneath of it completely or to just to move up and try to find out another, another groove. So I loved it. You always had to move around, try to find grip. It gave you some passing opportunities. So I think that was, I don't think it's talked about enough how physically demanding goat Dover is because it's, it's rough on your body. I it's mean, one of the best Dover races I can remember. Yeah. I'm not a big Dover guy. And I enjoyed watching Man, that. I think perfect market for a one race track. Perfect market. Perfect. I mean, I was surprised. I got freaking gridlocked in traffic after the race because I just didn't figure anybody would show up. Yeah. It was a good crowd for a Monday uh, Dude, at noon. Yeah. It had it looked like it was ninety percent capacity. And kudos to everybody for coming back on a Monday. Dover and would be the up. sickest racetrack ever if they took that freaking horse track out of the middle of it. Yeah, the infield kind of blows. The infield it. sucks. As cool as the racetrack is, the infield stinks and it sucks. And Do they still terrible. have racing in the infield though? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure it makes the most money out of anything there. But. For sure, that was part of the deal when you know SMI bought it. They bought everything but the horse track. Oh, yeah, they don't own that. Yeah. Well. So it's interesting stuff. Kudos to to Mike Detorian and that whole group of Dover. Great market for one race deal. They still got people to come back on Monday, and a stack and pennies curse is lifted. Ooh. Actually, we don't really have a stack and pennies curse. It was almost like. You just created it now. We create by mentioning it. No, no. We're like good. We're like good luck Chuck. We are good luck Chuck yeah. of podcasts. Yep. You can go around. Everybody else is not going to change anything. You come on stacking pennies, and sure enough, a couple weeks later, you're going to find victory lane, like our good friend Ryan Truex. Just don't let Flores pick you to win the race. That was a feel gooder. Well, that one. So he I don't Bowman go in last week. Yeah, I didn't know. He was, it was yeah, hours before luck. he broke his back. But he also adjusted it to uh, <laughs> Josh Berry and. Well, because I wasn't going to be – I'm like, but, just because it's called spare change doesn't mean I need to change my pick. But he had a good run. Right like He had a good run, yeah. top 10 day for Josh Berry. Yeah. Super sub, as they used to call Regan Smith. Now Josh Berry has <laughs> clap, clap for him. Uh, he's doing pretty good. A couple point, top 10s. That Xfinity race. It was good. It was good. My man gets out, long hair blowing in the breeze, looking looking validated. Donated oh, the yeah. win to the haters. Donate. This is for all yeah. the people that doubted me. Yeah, man. This is the stuff you dream about. Hey, if you if you would listen, go back to listen to the Ryan Tricks Jr. podcast right here on Second Pennies. You'll know how he felt. Yeah, everybody else wants to get him on after he's win. I can tell talent from a mile away. Chuck, just come on, I, come on now. I knew he had it in him the whole time. And I wasn't a doubter. So we've talked about this before, but I mean, I think it's it's worth talking about again. Him, just like Ryan Priest, take all their eggs, put them in one basket, six to ten race deal with a Gibbs. You take your shot at working your way up through cup and not going down and doing that. Yeah. When you see guys make that work, do you, not that you would second guess what you do, but does it make that appealing? I mean, you're at a point now where you're established, right? You're having good runs, but do you look back and think, man, that might've been better off to do? Man, that was, so I could sit here on Tuesday and say that I would still today, I wouldn't trade my situation for Ryan Truex's situation. He doesn't know. He's going to Darlington here in two weeks, but he doesn't know what he's got after that. So he had a very similar early 20s trajectory as I did, you know, winning some ARCA races. I think he won back-to-back uh, K&N titles. So, like, he had it. And I think that's a product of really not playing your cards right and getting yourself in the right situation because he had a decent hand of cards dealt to him. And if you just find yourself in the wrong situation with not the right, maybe not the wrong people, but not the right people to get the best of yourself out of you, then you can find yourself on the outside looking in. So 
everybody's hand of cards are dealt differently. And I think that I, I knew that I had to play my hand of cards to have a cup career, a long cup career. Every October, November, when I'm sitting down with Joe Mattis over at Junior Motorsports or I'm sitting down with XYZ Xfinity deal and they're laying out, we'll put you in for a 150 race, 175 grand a race. I couldn't justify to the Schluters and the Built Bars and the people who have spent money investing in me that that's a better option than, for their company as well as myself than being on the cup side. So, and do you lean on your dad? And his knowledge no, to help make those decisions. No, because because what I've done is opposite of what Dad would want. He wants to go down there, and it's only worked for one person. I mean, Bo, you could say Bowman and Priest. Yeah, Rick forgets that Bowman was he. Bowman did what you did first. Yeah, yeah. He was out he options. Ran, he ran for Tommy. Yeah. Ran for BK. And then he had ran. a four or five race deal at Juniors. Ran okay. Then Junior knocked his head, and he filled in and hauled ass. Right. Priest got lucky, and his you know he's still not. To your point, like solidified. Oh, he, I mean, he they got lucky in what sense? He got lucky that he actually got the shot at like at back JGG. again, right? Because he put all of his chips on the table, and his shot into the back of the Cup Series was JTG. But he Rarely spent a year driving around in that box Johnny Davis stuff, for you know, sure. And then it didn't work out at JTG, and yeah, and went back and put all his chips on the table. So that's the debate, and I think you know I talked to a lot of parents of kids that are trying to be race car drivers and there's not a clear cut path of what you want to do and how you want to get there. You got to play your cards the best way that you can to ultimately get to the end goal, which is to get in a race winning competitive cup car. And I, it, it's different. It's different for everybody, which to that point, we could talk about Ross. Some of that, you know, is playing into why Ross is the way he is right. Racing with some desperations. First time in his career, the last 16 months or so that he's driven for cars that can compete for wins. This week, though, was a little bit questionable. I don't know what he was doing. It was a I, mistake. It was a mistake. And the 15 car, you could see flames coming out the pipes, like a car length before than what he what he anticipated. But you don't know. So everybody that wants to sit there and Tuesday morning quarterback it and watch it, you don't see the con- full context of it. You don't see – the, the 15 and the three might have been side-by-side side for three, four laps just racing and the ones being held up by him and then Larson catches him. Now Ross's patience is out the window. It's like, yo, pick a lane and freaking go. Yeah. But – I don't know if that's the case. Was it? I think it was a little bit of the case. I th- his patience was certainly low. He wouldn't have been running the 15 that tight. Bro, I can't believe that the 15 and the three were racing that hard for – Last. Like I, well, I can't believe that the three was is back there that I bad. Think, I think Austin was still there finishing up as bad as he was. Now, like, he wrecked in practice. I don't want to get too far off the beaten path. Oh, yeah, that was uh... – So let's come back to this. But I want to ask about – I want to ask about, like, they went to a backup car. Yeah, guys was were missing that... left, left rear bump stop loads. That's what happened there. He what? Missed guys were missing left rear bump stop loads. Okay. The 99 spun out. The 43 spun out. The three spun out. So, Same yeah. spot. Yeah, in the three. Yeah. So they spiked it. They got on it too hard. Yeah. So because that was their first run practice. Gets so then they three, wreck washboard bumps, and, and he's running like he's racing for last and dead last all day. Yeah. Was his? Do you think his backup car was that far off? Because surely <sighs> I don't like, know. They're not. Shouldn't have been. Yeah. It's not like it's not like it used I mean, to you, be where you, you can, didn't have a good body on it. You know, right? It's right. Around you top you of the truck. could you could have, but I think even a even a team as strong as RCR, like I don't think their backup cars are like throw down ready to rock throw a motor in and go 
I don't think it was the backup car because if you look, yes, Kyle Busch had some issues, but if he you wasn't look at, strong. But if you look at where both of them finished, like I think it was what twenty first and twenty seventh. Yeah. So they're both both of those cars from that same place or in that same zone. Yeah. Like I don't think it's the backup. I think it was something yeah, else missed that they missed up. They had some damage too from driving in the back of Ty, spinning him out in his day. But you know, sometimes you just pain in the. So so back to sometimes you just have pain. Yeah. Sometimes you got a pain. Well, good thing you don't have to be around them. Yeah, I was in front of him all day. I yep, didn't that's a good thing. Sorry, uh, Matt. Ross, speaking of pain, then he definitely he, a pain at Brendan. What point does day. he? I like Brendan Poole, but I gotta say this: you can't talk, you can't get out of the car, and then talk about beating somebody up with frosted tips. Can't do it. It's not a, not a great look. It's not a great look. But and I, I mean, this is coming from a guy who had frosted. Yeah, tips. Frosted, you're a frosted tips veteran. Yeah, and I'm not gonna get out and say I'm gonna beat you up. But I hate frosted it. tips. <laughs> but uh, frosted but I hate it for I hate it for Brendan Poole because. You know, talk about a guy that's probably putting all his eggs in one basket. Yeah. Brandon Poole, dude, how, he, I remember Brandon, like, legend car days. He was really good. Remember that? He, he was one shoes. of them dudes. He, he was, was one of them dudes, man. That, that good he was late a, models. Brought DC Solar in. Had yep. a good Chip Ganassi deal. Yeah. And. Just didn't work out for him. D- another scenario of guy, somebody who has the ability. Yeah. In the right scenario, it might have been completely different for him and just. He wasn't with the right guys at the right time. With whatever the case may be over there at Ganassi, they couldn't get, they couldn't like tap into his potential. Like he had everything, he had all the, all the things you could want. Like, and they couldn't tap into Kyle Larson's potential either. Right. Right. So it's just, it's just crazy though to think like, man, every week Ross is not like, doing himself any favors. He's not doing himself any favors, and it truly doesn't. I think he, I just don't think that. I don't think like he's maliciously doing it. I just think that's how he races, and it just doesn't work out for other people. And then he's just, like, pretty apologetic about it. Like, he was pretty apologetic this week, but at what point are you just like, what are the, bro? Uh, what, what are the odds he actually goes to Rick Ware's like he said he was in his post-race interview and says sorry? I don't think so. I mean, what's I it going to do? <laughs> yeah. What's it going to do? Yeah, I'm not going to go poke my head into Rick's office and say, hey, Rick, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Now, here's a watermelon. Dude, <laughs> say, yeah, man, uh, just send me 300 grand. We'll be fine. Yeah, like that's what that that's what the conversation would be. And I know, like right now, Ross. It seems like every week, it's there's something that is he's involved with. May or may not always be his fault, but he's just kind of like the magnet for it right now. Right. How long can that keep going before something comes well, back? Who's gonna end it though? That yeah, yeah like but there's no one quote clear. unquote ending it is is situational, right? Because now Denny, for all intents and purposes, has ended it. I don't think Ross is going to race Denny like he has been the last year or so. Oh, give it a couple of weeks. And but but if, may, the, if the field is that fed up, who's the field? I don't. I'm not fed up with him. But he's not going to. Everybody he's racing around. Yeah. Every every time they get out of the race car, they're like, "Oh, damn, one car. Oh, you know, you know." Uh, Bell called him a kamikaze and a wrecking okay, ball. Okay, to it. that point, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up to Richmond. That wasn't even Ross. Just had a good restart, made it three wide bottom when the pay windows opened up. Got to go, boys. Same thing at Talladega. Dude, Noah, were, Noah Gregson leaves the leaves the middle wide. open, wide open. My question, my question is not about his actions because I don't have a problem with what Ross does on the track. I like watching guys. Me too. Be that aggressive. Take the take the hole. But my reckon, question is: is when does when does talk become action? Because there is at least ten guys that have a problem. Why don't they corner him in the garage? So, so none of you sisters are fighting to, anybody ever. No, they know that. None why of does it? But why does it have to be a noticeable, tangible moment? for the fans to think that like somebody's getting some retaliation. So 
how I'm starting to see it is like is Ro- Ross is having these small moments, and you'll appreciate this, Chuck, in like in the battle, right? Every week is a battle, yeah. but the course of the season is the war. Uh, how many instances do you take against somebody else during the battles that ultimately hinder your objectives of trying to win a championship in the playoffs? Because now Chris Bell is going to race you harder after Talladega. Now when you lap Noah Gregson, no matter what kind of stupid haircut he's got, he's going to be hard to race around Larson when you did lap it this him. week. Larson he did it this week. Dover is going to hold you up and, and hurt your chances. He was catching the 19, and Larson just, just ran him all over the racetrack. Exactly. So And Larson is going to still do that Kansas in the fall. At Darling at the Southern Five Hundred, like the deposits, he's not making any deposits. He's making a lot of withdrawals for favors early in the season. He's not going to be able to take out of the bank later in the later in the season. But does he also recognize that? Like he's doing this because he's doing what he can to win a race, and knowing full well that there are for actions there are for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. I think I think this instance and Denny wrecking the fifteen at Richmond are the exact same thing. The exact same. There's no difference. Yeah. It's yeah. like you you literally just you anticipate the person you're behind to drive it in to, you know, eight feet deeper than what they do for whatever reason. Coincidentally, it's been the same 15 car both times with JJ driving it and then Brendan Poole driving it. But you were driving off your instincts and your anticipation. And both of the times, Denny and Ross both anticipated that car to drive in a little deeper and it didn't. And it, bo- it junked them both. So, what do people I, say if that car's blue with a number nine on it in Napa? Those lap cars should have been racing in front of them. Like, yeah. Like, does he get the benefit of the doubt? Like, Ross is past the benefit of the doubt at this point. But then I could also argue that Chase has a little bit more situational awareness in that moment. A thousand percent. Because he's a champion. Well, and because he doesn't, he's not in the news every week. Right. So, I, I don't think Chase would have, he would have, I don't think he would have not use the margin of error as tight as Ross did. He was also 300 feet from winning a championship last year. Ross was. Whatever it was, 235. Is that what it was? I think so. The other, you know, the historical context to it, if you look at, I forgot what year it was, but. That's true. You can't discredit that of how close he was to winning the championship. So everybody can say what they're going to do to him. Nobody did. They might want to start racing like him. Like (laughs) maybe maybe we'll be more like this guy because. In preparation last week for Richard Petty, I listened to a lot of stuff on Richard and all that. And the first time Richard Petty ever dealt with Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt spun him out the first lap of Martinsville race, went through the grass and cleaned him out, right? And he had gotten into it with him again when he wrecked he wrecked Bobby Hamilton when he was driving the 43 at Rockingham. So, like, that's just one guy. Yeah. That's, you know, the king, and this guy run the king like that. And he did that to everybody. So, and now... Anybody that comes to a race has a three sticker on their car. Loves Earnhardt, you know. So what's it going to look like when we look back on the Ross Chastain era 20 years from now? Well, go back. Living it's not as much fun as – Not even uh, – Living it's not as – Listen, dude, if you were racing against Earnhardt, it wouldn't be as romantic as going down there past the statue in Kannapolis. No doubt. And your kid wouldn't be wearing an Earnhardt leather jacket at the King's place. But there's a lot more trophies that are tied next to the three car at the moment than there are with the one. Thousand percent. Wrecking somebody for seventh at Gateway is different than wrecking somebody for the lead in the last lap at Bristol. Yeah, right? but like, but you know, dude, he he didn't, maybe didn't mean to wreck him. Maybe he meant to rattle his cage. Maybe he meant to wreck. He saw his frosted tips <laughs> and wanted to rattle his cage. <laughs> oh, a little bit. Go back ten years. 
to your point about like Richard Petty and all that, go back 10 years, Brad Keselowski. There was a time when it seemed like he was involved with everybody. Like it was Brad versus the world. Jeff okay. Gordon. I like, I like where this is going. Joey Logano, another good example. Right. There is an adjustment period to the pointy end of the garage, right? The guys that are competing for wins each and every week, there is a different style of aggression. There's a different level of respect maybe is the word. I don't know. And it's an adjustment period for Ross, for Brad Keselowski, for a, Joey Logano, like we all look at this thing under a microscope because it's what a lot of people get paid to talk about. But Ross is, he didn't get the chance to make these mistakes on Saturday. He didn't get the chance to make a lot of these mistakes on a Friday in the truck race. Like he's learning the pointy end of the garage winning races on the big, on the big scene with a good team that has really fast race cars. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Somebody who wasn't going to scrap with Ross this weekend was Martin Truex because my man was too busy doing the best burnout of the year. I don't know, man. Maybe if the one car could have got to him, it could have been a scrap. Could have been a scrap. Dude. Him and James Small we should do scrapping it. on the radio. We should do. Isn't it funny how uh, winning fi- fixes everything? Yeah. Three weeks ago, they were, yeah. you know. In the, Dover, in, the in the Dover race. And then at the end, James was like, oh, I love you, man. you mate. Grabbing they each other, jumping up and down. Oh, shrimp on the bobby. I crack a Fosters. They were arguing over pitch strategy. And, like, you know, James told him to shut the f*** <laughs> up. Really? <laughs> yes. That's great. It's yeah. amazing. I love yeah. it. Sparks tells me that about every week. I'm like, why are we doing that? You just drive it. It's amazing. Okay. I'll, I'll play it for you. When we pull those moments out of context yeah, a lot of times. Great job, guys. Great call. But how, I love you. how much does a win, like if there is any friction, it could just be their personalities and that's the way they go about yeah. it. But how much does a win help that stuff? A lot. I mean, winning, winning legitimately fixes everything to an extent. For a period of time, for sure. The Australians are like notoriously pretty straight shooters. dry and straight shooters like yeah. that so dude the best thing that i saw this weekend was truex burning it down on the front straightaway was it so, a good burnout oh just on the chip pulling you <laughs> luckily i i think i crossed the line like 13 so i was probably four or five cars ahead of where like on pit road where the start finish line was so the people like 19th 20th and 21st are right there and his tires shredded, and he was blowing rubber shrapnel at him. Like people were getting out of their cars, like oh, <laughs> 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 just roasting. That was that was a burnout of the year. Five hundred really? days without a win will do that to you. It's 50, almost six hundred. Fifty-four races. Is that enough to convince him to come back? I think so. He ain't going nowhere. He ain't going nowhere. As long as he's winning the races, he can. He already fished with Johnny Morris. Johnny Morris during the week. Yeah, if there's if. The Truex Cup isn't full after this weekend. I want to keep racing. Oh. I don't know what can do it because that's a that's a big weekend for that the Truex a, family at their home track for sure. He did say on the radio. I was listening to Claire. Claire was interviewing him in Victory Lane, and I mean, people people dream when after they win, right? But he was like, "I'd love for my brother to be able to step in this car after I'm done." Oh, so ooh, how about that? That's that a, would be that's a cold take. That I mean, he said it. So no, that'd be. I mean, <laughs> that'd be pretty cool to see. I think it's unlikely, but I do want to touch on briefly. Alex Bowman, unfortunately, hurt his back in a sprint car accident. That's going to fire up the debate. Is it worth doing? 
you hate to see somebody sit out for extracurricular racing activities. What is what's your stance on that? Because all week it's like, oh, this guy could get hurt walking down the street. But a sprint car is a lot more dangerous than, you know, stepping off the sidewalk. Yeah, your chances of getting hurt in a sprint car are much more than walking on the sidewalk unless you're Chuck. I could argue riding a lime scooter on the sidewalk, probably yeah. equally as dangerous Agreed. as a sprint car. How there's See, a, it's like, a balance. It's almost if you if you told Kyle Larson that he couldn't race a sprint car, I think that his performance on Sunday goes down. There's a couple things that are different about Kyle Larson racing a sprint car than like Alex Bowman racing a sprint car. Yeah, Kyle. Kyle you don't Alex dabble. Learning. Yeah. You don't dabble in sprint car racing. Yeah. it's not like a fun thing to go do. It's a discipline that is very hard, and the stakes are very high. The other thing that helps Kyle Larson race in a sprint car and not get hurt is he's a very small guy, so he can mount his seat higher above the torque tube. Now, when the torque tube comes up and gets the seat, that's what hurts those guys in those cars. Yeah. So that also plays in the factor of being better for him. But his like Alex was an asphalt midget guy. That started kind of playing with sprint cars. He's got really good stuff, really good guys working on it. But, man, it's a hard learning curve. Which is why he does it. Yeah. You know, to oh, kind of yeah, push to himself get better. Yeah. out of his comfort zone, try to get better, try to hone his craft. Is it worth missing a month? Is it worth missing five weeks? I don't know. I mean, you don't go build a race car with the anticipation or the thought even in your mind that you might get hurt, right? But – do you build a snowboard with the thought you might get hurt? Right. Because what, what's different about snowboarding or sprint car racing? At least you got a roll cage and a seatbelt. Yeah. yeah and, so. and you can also make a case that you are doing it to get better for Sunday as opposed and for recreation. That's so. what would frustrate me if that conversation started and something came out of that and they didn't write a clause in a Chase Elliott's contract. Because when Chase Elliott got hurt, it was these guys need to live their lives. Well, you know, Jeff Andrews sat up there and said they need to live their lives. We're not going to, you know, restrict them from anything. Even if they're snowboarding on Friday, the day before they got to be here on Saturday. So you keep that same energy when we're talking about short track racing and let them go race. Now do your best to like when we when we put Joey in the dirt car Volusia, right? We had the the best seat, the best well, belts. We had the, the safety guy from Penske come over and go through it. This is what we're This is what steering column we're going to use. This is what we're going to do with the pedals. This is what we're going to do with the leg braces. So like have your if you're going to do it, you have smart people. The smartest people in the sport are employed at the race teams. Use your people to keep your drivers safe. Where do other forms of racing rank in terms of risk? I mean, I would assume sprint cars at the top. Then what's next? Uh, Super late, late models, dirt modified? It's like, non how, how would you Non-wing sprint car is the top. Yeah. Non-wing sprint cars at the top because yeah. they don't have the wing to crush. And and they also are hauling ass. Yeah, um, I'd say wing sprint cars. Followed by closely, second. yeah. I would, yeah, I, but... Also, the thing, too, you mentioned it, is also the size. Like, I'm 6'1", almost 6'2". I'm not getting a midget. I'm no. not getting a 600 micro. Well, you got to go to Millbridge, and you got to slide around. Everybody else doing My head would be sticking out like f***ing Bowser in those things. Yeah, but my point yeah. is, Why like, would I do it? you went and run and run and won the mod race in Martinsville last year. I would assume the risk in that race would be significantly less than going sliding around a sprint car. Um, yeah, I mean, every, here's, racing is dangerous. The, the risks are racing different. Racing is dangerous. The risks are different. Yeah. The risk with a modified is finger and wrist injuries. That's like yeah. what Chase Briscoe got recently. Model. The risk with sprint car racing is back and leg injuries because of the torque tube and the way those cars are built. Yeah. So they all have different risks. Um, but like the reward of going to Martinsville is, you know, he got to be on the track. He got to win. Got a grandfather clock. 
got me yelled at by Tommy Baldwin. Yeah. And then, you know, but like when Tony, when I was with Tony and he would go run sprint car races, he would be automatically better at position retention after restarts. Like his restarts were, you could tell it was night and day different when he was racing sprint cars to, to the cup track mm-hmm. that he was just better on restarts. And now restarts are the most important part of the game. So I don't know, like if someone's going to break their, it, like I said, if someone's going to break their leg snowboarding, it's the same conversation if they're getting hurt racing cars. So don't say, you know, that they can go snowboard, but they can't race sprint cars. Yeah. That's doing business. Beep, beep, beep. That's just that's that's breaking, that's... breaking news. Martin Truex Jr. has just been named to NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers list. Really? Huh? Yeah. Do you think this week, the win this weekend put him over the edge? No, he was already on the list. <laughs> I've seen the list. <laughs> he, was, he was scheduled for yesterday, I think. But yeah. The, uh, the race. Well, I think Martin's like the tale so. of two careers. Yeah. Another another uh, another example of getting with the right people at the right time of he, your career. He was so good in junior stuff in the in the Bush series, Xfinity series. Yes. He was like so bad in DI stuff. Beating the pants off Kyle Bush weekly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the then the DI the one car, and then he goes yeah. to well, that was fifty six, and was they were just okay. Terrible timing on the DI part. So yeah, we got to take that chance though. Yeah. It's all about the situation and the right people at the right time. And uh, we've seen, to your point, tale of two careers, champion. I mean, he's also the guy that's what, led almost every lap to Coke 600 a couple of years ago. Yeah, fastest Coke 600 in history. Man. Loved it. That Furniture Road team was set on kill. A lot of, a lot of smart guys over there. So congratulations, Martin Truex Jr. You are part of the NASCAR greatest 75 drivers. Good job. Pit Road Boats and Wolves, right for this. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Pit Road Boats and Woes time. Had a couple woes. First of the woes I noticed was Kyle Busch coming down leading, comes off speed. You can't do that. Can't do that. That's illegal. It's frowned upon. And he never and got makes a start in the back. back. Yeah, because he drove smack in the back of the s- Ty Dillon for last. Yeah. And then he got nose damage. Is that when Ty hit the fence? It was. Ty, Ty, that was. I think he pressed the clutch in and backed it down into the fence. Instead of the brake? Yeah. Darn it. Yeah, that's what it looked like. I was like, hey, we should have held sped the up there. And TKO the fence. Well, banking and gravity will do that. It will do that. Yeah. You'll have that sometimes. Yeah, there was a couple of woes. Six car. Six cars tire was definitely one of them. And they were in pit stall too. It was lucky that thing didn't get pushed out on the track. Uh, so they had a tire that bounced off the wall and was like right at the emblem when they dropped oh yeah, the jack on the left pit side. Road too. What's that? They were 
pit stall too. Yeah, and it just pushed it, which dumped his track position, and he just, you know, where he finished seventh or eighth, just yeah. never got back up there. He was racing with us all day. Was he? RFK um, was strong this week. RFK was strong. RFK was strong, and then obviously it's been well documented. The 11 team just then he just kind of rolled over them, but a lot of issues, a lot of lost pits, a lot of lost positions on pit road this weekend. I don't. What do you think? Is do you think that's beneficial? Like, if if the driver rolls on the crew, and like, does it change internal conversations on the guys of like how you? how much more focus you put on or you're just kind of like, Hey dude, we're trying, man. I don't know. Like it's, it's definitely not great for anybody. Cause it, I, it's like some teams look at like, like what he said in the post race, which is what I had an issue with if I'm on his team and I don't know like how the culture is there, but it was like me and the team can't make that up when they, when they mess up pit stops, mm. like me and the team. And then there's the five picker guys. That's what he's like. You, yeah. So, wait a minute that you're saying the pit crew is not part of the team now. Maybe you want to look at that. That might be the first issue. And that's maybe why they're having issues because they don't really have much confidence because they're not part of your team because you spend a lot of time around each other Yeah. at the racetrack, at least um, Yeah, road crews. So there's two to explain that a little bit. There's yes. road crews, pit crews. Yes. So the road crew, obviously are the guys that get the car prepared in the shop, crew chief, car chief, front end mechanic, Yep. Interior guy. Underneath mechanic, yep. engineers. Truck drivers. Truck drivers. You know, the truck drivers you deal with a lot. Truck drivers do way more than anybody ever gives them credit for. Tire cha or tire guys. And then your pit crew guys are five guys that show up the day of the race. Yep. So I have been on teams that have good chemistry and teams that have bad chemistry. And I don't know if they have bad chemistry, but when you're on the drivers on TV – saying that me and my team can't make up for bad pit stops every week, that is – that does not feel good to me because, you know, my team, we've worked really hard to, to all be one. You know, and we still work hard to, to be one team. That way when there's a problem, you're just not throwing each other under the bus, right? For sure. Like you you all fail as one. Okay, how do we get better? What do I need to do? Not, oh, pit boobs messed it up again. You yeah. know, like that is terrible well, it's, for business. It's so before the race – uh, they did like the you know startups or warmups or whatever, and I, I, my steering wheel was a little bit too close uh, before, like in, in practice qualifying or yeah. just practice. So I asked the official, "Hey man, can I get in there and move my wheel around?" Yeah, yeah, sure. So I've got Allen Ranch up there, and they've got you know a couple collars right that lock the column, and I'm, I'm messing with it, <laughs> moving it, and I'm sitting there thinking like, if this one bolt was loose, yeah. Then you like the steering wheels moving around, and like that's one thing on the list of infinite things that can take you out of it, yeah. right? Like interior guy leaving a three sixteenths bolt on my steering column can cost you a race. Front end mechanic leaving a tie rod loose, right front changer leaving a wheel nut off, driver driving in the fence. Like there are so many things to your point of like the road crew, pit crew, driver marketing team like all that stuff needs to be cohesive to i think truly have a good rapport and good confidence in each other so yeah and but but like when so the difference is when the interior guy or the front of mechanic has a bad day right they're not zoomed in on tv right and they leave something loose right right like i'm zoomed in with my name on the back of my fire suit like this guy sucks he messed up the right front on this on this stop do you think though that's why a guy going over the wall 
with his name on TV when he makes a mistake is making more money than the fr- I mean, I don't know that they're all making more money, but I think it's just supply and demand. It just comes down to classic supply and demand. There's Yeah, more people willing to more people willing to bolt tie rods on them. Now, I like I don't really get into like what everybody makes, but a good front-end mechanic is just as important as a good front tire changer. Yeah. A good underneath guy is as important as a rear tire changer, right? If you have one weakness, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to hurt your team. So everybody has to be good together and pull the rope in the same direction. And like, this is also the same guy that threw his team under the bus that said a couple weeks ago, he wasn't going to finish good. So he let go of the steering wheel, right? I go back to that. So I'm not trying to hammer him, but like that is actions detrimental to your race team is what I would say there. So like, I'm not trying to like just pick on him, but when you're going hard on your team, man, it's like, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not great, but he, you know, I don't know what the battles he's fighting behind closed doors either, because, you know, he's got his own team. He stepped away from the, you know, he was very vocal about the Gibbs pit department last year. And he obviously, you know, he hired his own pit crew. He got away from the pits, from the Gibbs pit department for his own teams. So there's probably more there than meets the eye for us. But that that's what I was kind of stuck on listening to that is like, okay, he said him and his team and then use the picker as a whole separate entity. Um, to me, the, the mistakes they were having, they had a couple guys, like they had two or three 12-second stops where uh, front changer missed his button switch, uh, the rear changer missed his button switch, and then on the last one, the, the jack man, um, the, the car fell off the jack. To me, if it's me, and I'm looking at that, that tells me they're trying to go too fast. And when you're having a solid day, especially a place like Dover, you just got to, it's not, you know, if you do a nine, five or a 10, five, you got to keep them in the race. You don't, you don't have to try to do a nine flat. Right. And maybe that's a little bit of what their team's going through. And I don't know, they got to figure that out because it's not great. Obviously they're not helping them. The frustration from him is real, but I don't know your team, your team still, I think, I think it was close this weekend, the 24 to the nine, four, but the fastest team of the year is still a seven car with a nine, three, two, I think. Yeah, I got a group of dogs. They didn't, so, have a great, they didn't have a great weekend, but they've been hammered. That, dude, that's the gift of being on the seven, right? Yeah. When you're fast, it's like seven teams badass. Yeah. They're a badass team, but when you're bad, no one cares. Yeah, they're, they're 14. Like, yeah, yeah, 14. Right? So that's that's where uh, that's where it's like the gift to, to be on that car. But, but yeah, and then the, the dogs of the week, they didn't start off great. But they found their way to victory lane. But they lane. found their way to victory lane, put them in, put them in position. A couple veterans, Lee Cunningham. Dog. Front tire changer, David Odell. Ooh. Jackman. Yeah, he's a dog. He's a dog. Yep. CJ Bailey, tire carrier. Dog. I don't know how to say this guy's last name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Do it. Danny Olzoe. O-L-S-Z-O-W-Y. D-A-W-G, dog. Yep, dog. And Matthew Tyrell, Gasman. Gasman. What do they call the guy that hangs out with all the picker guys? What? The guy that hangs out with all the picker guys. A loser? The gas man. That's what they call it. <laughs> the gas man. But that's a that's a that's a band joke. What do they call the the guy who hangs out with all the magicians? Magicians. Musicians. 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 Bass player. The drummer. Oh. Yeah, that's what I've heard that one before. So, you know what you haven't heard? Penny for your thoughts, questions. Right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring. 
The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, guys, we are back. But a little quick moment here. So Janie, behind the scenes, has been building this show with her blood, sweat, and tears behind the scenes, making this thing grow to what you guys have seen it into now. She is taking a leap to, can we say? You can say. She's going to Track House to pretty much start their media company. So we wanted to give Janie a big, big send-off for all the hard work she's done behind the scenes to build Stack and Pennies into what it is today. And hopefully we can keep this thing going next week. Chuck, what do you think? I don't know. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Ross's fault also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ross, Ross, gave, Ross gave from damn, our podcast. Yeah. Ross gave Brendan Poole the boot. This week he's given Stack and Pennies the boot. Yep. There's no extent to which Ross won't go to steal our people and our demeanor, by God. Damn you, Ross. Damn you, Ross. Taking our taking our friend and taking our producer. Janie, we wish you well. So on the count of three, we're going to give her one big Janie send-off. One, two, three. Janie! That was nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Are you it, crying? I'm not crying. Oh, okay. no, she's crying. <laughs> no. A little dusty, but oh. not crying. Do you have anything to say to our listeners, the ones you were just leaving? Do I have anything to say? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Speech. Speech. I love the four that have followed me on Twitter. I don't know how to use Twitter, but yes. got four followers. Tag wow. me and stuff. Thank wow. you guys. Appreciate you. Wow. Nice. Uh, no, I love this podcast a lot. It's uh, made me a better person, better producer, better friend. Yes. So let's go. And you have made this podcast better as well. Thanks. So you deserve the opportunity. Thanks. And you're gonna crush it. Thanks. I also deserved a middle finger framed picture. So. Yes, yeah, Brian gave her a great parting gift. Oh, thank you very uh, much. Somebody that came up to me this weekend, um, and he said, "Hey, I love the podcast." And um, is Janie still making funny about finishing second all the time? And I said, "Damn it, Janie!" <laughs> and then before the race on Monday, there it is, text. Good luck. Hope you don't finish second hey, from you, Janie. Well, good thing you finished yeah, third. You did. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's my legacy now. It, it is. used to be Rat Girl, and now you have transcended that. Yep. To yes. second place insult thrower. Yes. <laughs> I will text you that every week. Yeah. <laughs> yes. First question. First question comes from Justin Francis. He wants to know if you had to ride swap with anybody from a different series discipline for one race, who would you swap with and why? It's a great question. This is the type of penny, penny for your thoughts questions I want. I feel like you got to go F1. Even though I would run like dead last. If I were to pick a – so give me Max's car for sure because you just got to pick the best car. I want – Baku's a gnarly track. The one the that's one raced that. Yeah. Oh, that place is gnarly. I don't know if I'd make it a lap. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Um, somewhere right. I feel like I could probably – that Van Door place. Oh, where they run the, the top in that one corner? Yeah, yeah. That, I think I'd be down for that one. Or – or uh, Eau Rouge, is that, um, what is that, Spa? 
spot Frank and champs. Yeah. Man, I would just, do F1 just pick car. one, man. I'm going to go, yeah. F1 car at the one with the bank corner. Vandor. Where do you think Max is going to run well in your car? Got to be an oval. Street course? No, got to be an oval. Yeah, it's got to be an oval. Send him, send him, I mean, dude, if you send him Max Verstappen to Dover, he'd be like, what is going on? What, really? Think so? Yes. Dover's freaking hard, man. Like, all right. So maybe because so you're, Daniel you're on the verge Suarez of, is kind of fan with him. Make sure maybe you can make it happen. Yeah, maybe send a text. Hit me up. If you drive an F1 car, how much slower off the pace would you be than him to finish a lap? <sighs> well, how much time do you get in the sim and all? I, I legitimately feel like in the sim I could get with. I'd hate to think <coughs> I couldn't get within like a second and a half. It's basically the same thing. It's, if you're it's, Checo, it's yeah. a simulation. Um, so. In reality, is a lot different. I mean, just, I mean, Jimmy Johnson's the greatest NASCAR driver to ever do it, and he was seconds off of, you know, the guy that ran tenth in the Indy cars. So I think that would be even more exaggerated because those are guys who are specialists at their crap and driving open wheels their entire life. So I think it'd yeah. be naive and dumb to think that I could even come within four or five seconds of Max. Indy car guys, dogs. There's some dogs, Dang. but I guess Landon Castle. I was texting him a little bit this morning. Oh, I guess Goldie. I guess they were getting into it yeah, a little bit. A little beef. So I guess Landon's take was NASCAR drivers are the most versatile. Yeah. And of all, Scotty didn't like it. There's, I think there's a legitimate debate there, which I'd love to have Scotty come in, and we'd go go into that. Let's go, Scotty, Scotty. Come on the podcast, Stack and Pennies. He lives in Mooresville. Let's get him on. Yeah. I'll work on that. Let's have Scotty and Landon in here. Oh, we debate. could line That's... that up. And then because Landon's got some out, great like points. Fight. No, they went a little dark one. there. <laughs> went through a dark place. Is the next question. Next Does that question. take us to a dark place? Next question. Scott wants to know, with the Super Mario movie out, which NASCAR Cup drivers, past or present, would be each of the following characters in a Mario Kart race? Mario, Luigi, Toad, Princess Peach, Donkey Kong, Yoshi, Wario. Whoa, that's a list. No Bowser? Maybe Bowser. We'll add a Bowser in there too. Bowser, right? I already know who Bowser is. Bowser. I mean, Ross. Bowser and Wario are the same person. Bowser's Ross. Okay, who's Wario? Jimmy Spencer. Oh, past or present? Yeah, Jimmy Spencer. Yeah, Wario's definitely Jimmy, Jimmy Spencer, Spencer oh, yeah. for Sick sure. In his mouth. Mar Each. Mario. You got to go with somebody with a mustache. So Earnhardt. Dale yeah, Jared, Mario. Dale Jarrett would be a good Mario. Yeah, but, but like Mario's like the leader yeah. of the pack. Yeah, it's right? true. Then Dale Jarrett could be Luigi's like the other Dale. That's right. <laughs> Dale, Dale, Dale show. Dale or Richard, though. You know? Um, No. Richard, Richard could be Luigi because he's tall. Um, Danica could be Peach. That. Slim Pickens on females to fill that character in. Or, or else, you know, we can. When you go back to the beginning, uh, was it Ethel Mobley? <laughs> Janet Guthrie? I got a yeah, like take. You know who I think Danica. the best um, female NASCAR driver of all time was that didn't get the shot was I think Johanna Long was really good. She was. Snowball Derby champ. Yep. She just didn't get around the right people at the right time. I thought that she could have. I give her she, the peach nod. Johanna Long. <laughs> Johanna Long. Who's Toad? Johanna Long Robbins. Um, uh, Will Byron. I'm getting <laughs> like Reddick vibes. Ooh. He's so short. <laughs> so is Toad. He was wearing these matching McDonald's shoes, like red, red, yellow, and white <laughs> shoes. He literally looked like Ronald McDonald, just like three feet shorter. I don't know. Like, would like Kyle Larson be a toad? Just like super fast and like. I feel like he'd be Yoshi. Mm. Yeah. Just zipping around. Yeah. Donkey Kong, last one. Merriman. <laughs> Merriman's Donkey Kong. 
A Danny O'Quinn. Love a Danny, Danny O'Quinn, O'Quinn for sure. Yeah. That freaking guy was so big. The steering wheel had knocked his belts off one time in Bristol when he ran like a 75 lap row with no belts on. No, I, I in think a bush he pit. Car. I'm going to pit. No, he stayed out for, he? The whole, for the whole fuel run. Oh, boy. Danny O'Quinn. Danny O'Quinn. Donkey Kong. Look him up. Or or Tony Stewart. That's a Let's go Danny fruit. O'Quinn. That's low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Next question comes from Nick Feltner. As a driver, can you see people in the crowd who are waving their hats around, cheering for you, or flipping you off? Absolutely. So he's not wasting his time? No. 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 Um, you, at speed, you're not really looking. Obviously, you got other <laughs> going on, like just trying not to crash and just like drive, drive your car fast. But under caution, I've actually like found this, and it's actually kind of like been soothing. Like, you know, like when a race isn't going good and you feel like all the eyeballs are on you and like you just like are. So, like come down on yourself not meeting your expectations or whatever slightly embarrassed slightly embarrassed yeah. right all that and you feel like all like every eyeball in the place is watching you and like laughing at you as, as you suck i may like in those moments i'll like look in the stands to find some guy in a cutoff shirt eating nachos not caring about the race not looking at me and i'm like that guy doesn't give a shit about how my day's going so i'm gonna be more like that guy Eating his nachos, not a care in the world. Just watching NASCAR going around in a circle. Sparks comes on the radio. What do you need? I need some nachos. I need some Sparks. nachos. You- that nacho cheese sauce. I don't know what's in that. It's okay. No thanks. Good stuff. So you do see some guy flipped me off after I smashed into uh, Kyle Busch's door, Martinsville. Yes. I did notice that. He was right off the start finish line. So I gave him like a, <whistles> how we doing, pal? So yes, I see your I see your waves. There was one story. I was running the K&N race at Loudoun. My cousin Murph and his buddy Silky were in turn one and they were wearing remember like the Nextel yellow headsets that people used to scan with and silky looked like the biggest dork on with those headsets and every lap they were like standing there pointing like around the corner like turn one like, like this go just, that way go that way yeah. and i get out and i won the race and i was in victory lane and i said i just wanted to thank my cousin and silky down in turn one for telling me the direction i'd go <laughs> every single lap every lap they're like left Go left. That go. way. Faster. They're yeah. racing. I, I see you. Thank you for telling me which direction to go. Is there a track that you can pick people out during green? Like Daytona. Is, is, is one easier than uh... – Daytona. Even at 200 miles an hour, you can like kind of like pick one out. Like it's like blur, blur, blur. And then you, you know how like you see something, you can like lock in on it? Yeah. Like a tree down the highway or something. So you can do that. Like when it all gets strung out running the top, you can be like – I counted all those caution lights around Daytona a couple times. How many? Like, there's like 18. That's it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So you, You're I mean, bored. there's certain times at speedways, anywhere else yeah. you're just like locked in. But yes, it is not a waste of your time to cheer. But if you want to be seen, you got to be kind of in the first three rows of the grandstands or right up against the fence. Do you ever see me waving at you when I'm on the outside? I see you sometime in your Do purple you? vest. Yeah. Sometimes I'll see. Well, I have a black vest. That, so oh. that's. <laughs> It's not, not her. Beaver oh, Dragon okay. and the purple vest. Yeah. I've seen Casey sometimes. Uh, I saw the, I saw the uh, photographer for Spire, Alex. He was like walking in the pic, like during caution. I'm like swerving, looking over. I'm like, oh hey, there's Alex. Like walking through the cup garage. I forgot what race it was. It was at Bristol, and there was a red flag, and like Dillner and I were like right up on the fence, and like the cars stopped right here, and it's like, hey guys, how's it going? No, you, like literally, like right. You definitely right look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red flags are fun yeah, when people come up against the fence. Pit road for a while. Talking. I would just stand there and stare at you when we were like, when, cause you'd be pitting the second time. And I'd be like, <laughs> hey, man, 
But you'd never I wave saw back. You. No, I'm not waving at you. You should. We're, we're friends. We're, we're enemies at that point in time. Finger no, we're, we're not even on the same lap. We're just friends at that no, point. No, we're enemies. <laughs> All right. We've got a couple more questions. Better make it a good one if it's your last Penny for Your Thoughts question ever on the show, Janie. Hey, now. I've Ooh. got two more. Okay. One is actually for Ryan Sparks. And uh, he's got an answer for us. So this question is, which track is the most difficult to be a successful crew chief at and make good calls? Daytona 500, Coke 600. I think all tracks bring some level of difficulty to the crew chiefs. One that stands out to me is Darlington, specifically the Southern 500. This track is a little more difficult to set up for considering each end of the racetrack has a very different configuration. Each corner of the car sees quite different loading characteristics, which can make it difficult to optimize the car's attitude. Also, Darlington has the highest tire degradation of any other NASCAR track, so you can't sacrifice any mechanical grip to make an aerodynamic gain as you would at most other intermediate tracks. With the high tire deg, it makes short pitting a premium, but it does come with risk. You can make up seconds by pitting early and having better tires, However, cars that get caught by the lady in black can easily bring out the caution and ruin your strategy. The Southern 500 starts an hour or so before the sunset and transitions into the night. So you have to rely on your notebook to keep up with the balance of the car, weigh risk versus reward on your pitting strategy, all while trying to keep your driver happy. Okay, our last <laughs> question. This will be my last question on this podcast. What do you think? Oh. Drum roll. What do you think of Legacy Motor Club switching from Chevy to Toyota? Interesting stuff coming out of the Jimmy Johnson camp over there. Legacy, Legacy Motor Club switching to the Yotas. Makes, it makes business sense. It's a bit of a, a surprise probably to a Jimmy Johnson Chevrolet fan. Obviously had so much, so much success on the racetrack driving a Chevrolet. But there wasn't a pathway for those guys to become a key partner. And if you want to be a consistent championship contending team at the cup level, you have to be directly ingrained with the OEM. So the key partners at Chevy are Trackhouse, RCR, and Hendrick. And those guys were on the same technology level as what we are. Limited simulation time, no OEM dollars, no OEM help on engines. It is an eight-figure swing for them to make the jump to Toyota for engine help and te technical help. So definitely makes business sense with a C. Um, now that gives Toyota three teams too, right? Gives Toyota two more teams. So it gives so, them eight total. No, but it gives them yeah, three Yeah, they go from teams, six. But three. To, yes. Three. Joe Gibbs. Gibbs. 2311. Legacy. Legacy. Correct. Yeah, yeah, eight cars total. Yeah. Yeah. With charters. Yep. And Ford's got three? Is Jimmy going to, like occasionally race a Toyota or I is like, not. is, is that, is, is he not. done? And like, that's after I think, this year, I think he's done. I don't know. Cause I'd that, love to have him on. I don't know. I wouldn't know. I have yeah, no, come on the show. That's the part that's weird to me. Like Richard Petty, they've been in a lot of, I think what almost every, every, yeah. every manufacturer that has been in the sport, mm -hmm. they've been it. So that, that makes sense to see Richard Petty switching up. But Jimmy Johnson, like Chevy was, I mean, I think All you're reading too far. I think I you're reading know. too far into it. But that's it's the, from make, the fan perspective. You want to romanticize it as a fan, right? Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, he has to do, make the best decision for the competitiveness of their race team and also the financial. That's it. Backing of their team, and if it if it makes sense, which it sounds like it does, you know, TRD gives all their their teams engines. They don't charge it for them. They'll have full access to the simulator. They'll have the same access to aero notes and maps like Gibbs does and 2311's got. So. You should see those guys uptick in performance just by switching 
the bodies on their cars. In your romanticized NASCAR fan brain, it doesn't make sense. Like, it makes more sense, I guess, yeah. to see Jimmy Johnson as a key partner at Hendrick. You know, he's getting cars from Hendrick. But it makes dollars and cents yep. to have Toyotas. Yeah. Stacking a lot of pennies. Like I said, that was my initial thought. Like, after, like, marinating on it, yes. Yeah. Like, I think this is going to be an awesome move for both Legacy Motor Club mm-hmm. and the sport as a whole mm-hmm. to get more Toyotas out there, more diversity in the field, I think, uh, can only be good. Yeah. And it gets a couple teams out of the way of Spire Motorsports moving up the Chevy ladder. Watch Ooh, out. Let's go. A couple more sim dates, maybe a couple more little nuggets of information for us. Mm. It's not going to hurt. But, Janie, we appreciate you so much. Do you have a dusty question? You want to get emotional? No. <laughs> she does. She just doesn't want to get emotional. She say. I was going to ask, what is y'all's favorite part about the podcast? Uh, what do you love most about it? It's a great question. I love just hearing people at the racetrack say they listen to it uh, because that's like the motivation to keep coming back and talking about it and also putting the work in to get better at it. Uh, I want, you know, the people who spend an hour listening to us ramble about racing every weekend to like feel like we're not wasting our time. We want to give them good stuff stuff they wouldn't hear from the broadcast and um and you've put the rundowns together you've edited the show you've done uh so much to take this show to the next level Janie so we will miss you and there's definitely gonna be a gap that we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and keep making this thing go but uh be on the lookout for whatever Trackhouse Media has in store because Janie is gonna be the brains behind it doing a lot of cool stuff over there Penny Stacker of the Week would he be your, like, cousin? cousin. Your cousin's cousin nephew. Kevin. Or your cousin's son. Yeah, Max. Max. Maximus Wolf Flores. Maximus Think Wolf. Think about a harder name than that, there bro. Ain't, there ain't a harder name Maximus Wolf. Except for the last name. Flores. <laughs> Flores, I think. Maximus Wolf Flores. My man was pumped up. How old is he? About eight? He's seven, almost eight, yeah. He's a penny stacker of the week. Oh, that's He great. probably don't even listen to the podcast. My man was wearing a corduroy seven hat around all weekend, was pumped up, happy to be there. Saw him after the race on his dad's shoulders, just having a day. Dude loved it. He loved it. And he lost his hat. You gave him a signed hat. Gave him a signed hat from the hauler. So I was making kids' dreams come true, Oh, man. dude, I'll tell you a good one. So he comes over to Pit Box, right? And it's Monday at this point, and he's got a bag, and it's got everything in it. And it's full of trinkets, 20, 30 die-cast little cars, right? And I'm like, what's your favorite one, right? Right past all the 12 cars. Built Bar 7. Hell this one. Yeah. I'm like, uh, all right. The pop bar one with all the right, one yellow? Yeah, no, the blue, just the blue yeah. t- typical Built Bar car. And I'm like, how about there's a couple 12 cars in there, bro? No. And he's like, no, nah, like seven. That. This is my they, favorite. They finished like, second So, yeah, cool. That's going to make his week. That's cool, man. And he's a penny stacker of the week. There's been a lot of penny, potential penny stackers of the week, though. Met a lot of cool people. Met a lot of good people this weekend, too, that like the podcast. Yeah. Appreciate, uh, appreciate everybody listening. Really do. Also, I'm going to ask you guys a quick favor. I'm going to do all I can to make the all-star race through the open, but you guys can help me a little bit. All you got to do is just slide a brother all-star fan vote, help me out, try to make that big show on Sunday. How do you how do you go find that, Chuck? What is that? NASCAR.com slash all-star vote, something like that? NASCAR.com forward slash fan vote. There you go. Go check that out. If you're sitting at work, pull it up, slide your boy vote. If you're driving on the road, wait till you come to a complete stop, then slide your boy vote. Make sure you slide your vote in a safe and secure environment. But I don't know the help I can get, and I will take it. You guys let Eric Jones beat Corey last year for the fan vote. Hey, I I voted for you already today. I just voted for BJ McClellan. 
Also, make sure you like, download, share, rate, review this show. Keep this thing going and tune in to Spare Change this Sunday. We are going to be racing in Kansas because we are going to Kansas, Toto. We will be there for the Advent Health 400 Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern on FS1. So thank you all so much. And thank Janie. This is her last week. Thanks, Thanks Janie. Thanks, Janie. Talk to you all next week. Bye.